Has the world gone crazy? Life is difficult. When you need help, where do you turn? Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. On this day, June 16th, 2022, we continue our series, Chronicles of the Kingdom, and here we are in Lesson 23, The Greatest Mystery. Yes, you heard me right. The greatest mystery is our title for today. You know, there's great understandings that come from the Word of God. There is wisdom that's far beyond our ability to comprehend. There are thoughts that are too great for human minds to think about. There are mysteries too deep for our mentality to embrace to conceive. There are revelations that are too high to be used by just mere words. Yet the Spirit of God can relate things into our spirit, things that are hard to understand. They're even harder to be spoken. Sometimes these revelations are more felt in the depth of our inner being than understood with our minds. You see, these are spiritual things communicated by the Holy Spirit to our spirit in spiritual ways. They compare spiritual things to spiritual things. Now, where do I get this line of thinking? Where does this come from? Well, let's look at a scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 13. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. That is, what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught us by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. Powerful passage. We should pause and meditate on it sometimes. There's such 
deep truth in it. And notice he begins by saying what? This is a message among the mature. So as I speak, and I realize this is going out on the web, and there's all kinds of people and believing type of people that can be listening, but if you're not a Christian, you won't understand this. It will sound like foolishness. And if you are a Christian, your maturity will depend on what you understand about this. Because understanding the greatest mystery is so much based on your maturity. Are you mature enough to understand what I'm about to say? As a child, there are things you can talk about and a child does not understand. No matter what they say, they do not understand. They lack the mental capacities to grasp concepts. That's why in our world there's so much debate upon what a child can and can't decide for themselves. Because they don't have the mental capacities. As a teenager and adolescent, you begin developing these mental skills. But developing and having mastery are two different things. And I know many adults that have never mastered uh, these skills. But you begin to, to, to grow and mature. And once you mature, there's an understanding and wisdom that comes in life that you now understand. And usually that's followed by great patience. Um, that's, that's an evil word amongst people. But I find that the more mature a person is, there's a, there's a level of patience in them that's also great. But notice that it says that this is for the mature. And what is he talking about the mature? He's talking about what? We speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden. Now, if you remember going back to my first few lessons, I talked about mysteries in the scripture. God does not keep secrets. Secrets is what the devil does. Secrets is what the occult is about. They're always talking about this secret wisdom and, and we know secret things. And if you're one of us, you know things that no one else understands or knows. God's not into keeping secrets. The mysteries in the Bible are things that are difficult to understand. You cannot understand it without the Spirit of God. But it's not a secret because God is revealing all things. God doesn't want to hide anything. He wants to share all things. When God created Adam and Eve, he shared all things. And the devil came around and said, ah, but God didn't tell you something. And he's doubting, he's doubting God. He's tempting Eve. Did God really say? You know, in other words, he's going, there's things that God didn't tell you. You can eat this and gain this secret knowledge and you won't really die because God's keeping stuff from you. That's the enemy. That's the doctrine of demons. The world is full of that. There are plenty of cults. There are plenty of cults that call themselves a church that try to sell you on secret knowledge. There is no secret knowledge. God is revealing all knowledge and all wisdom. However, there are mysteries because we can't understand some of this stuff without God explaining it, without God revealing it to us. Why? Because we're like children. And as we mature, God reveals things in our maturity to him. And notice that it says, it says that this is, this mystery, this wisdom is what? It was, it was hidden that God destined for our glory before time began. In other words, there were things in God 
that he had inside him even before time began. So it talks about being hidden away. That's not like I'm going to hide it as a secret. This is stuff that's inside God that nothing in creation knew even before time began that he had planned for you and I. It was for us before time began. How do I know this? Well, number one, it says that if the rulers of this age had understood, they wouldn't have crucified Jesus. The enemy would not have crucified Jesus. Sinful man would not have done away with sin because that's what happened. When Jesus paid for our sin, he was conquering sin. Well, sin would not have allowed itself to have been conquered. It would not have allowed man to do that. The devil wouldn't have allowed man. They could not. The devil and all of his knowledge and power couldn't see this coming because it's deep inside God. And it needs to be revealed by God. And it wasn't revealed to him. It wasn't revealed to sinful man. But it was there even before time began. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done it. But they did what they did. Why? Because they're blind. They're in darkness. Verse 9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard. I want to say this is one of my favorite verses, but anytime I read a verse, it's suddenly my favorite. I guess that's why you can say you love the Word of God when suddenly you think every verse is your favorite. But this one's powerful. Sometimes it makes my hair stand up on my arms and my neck just thinking about what does it mean because I have a very wild imagination. People who know me know I can imagine some crazy things, some big things. Oh, God's given me such a great imagination. As a kid, it was terrible because I just wanted to daydream. And, and, but I've got such a great imagination. Yet this scripture here puts me down in a way it says that no mind has conceived. No matter what I can imagine, it's always short. It can't even come to grips with what God is preparing for those who love him. Oh, man, that gets me excited. I can't even conceive what God's going to prepare for me. But it says what in verse 10? But God has revealed it. He has revealed it. He's showing. He's telling you. You can't understand or conceive it, but he's going to tell it. And I don't know because he's revealed it to us. It says to us, you and I. It's not talking about a nation. It's not talking. It's talking about to those who love him. If you love him, he's revealed it to you by his spirit. The Holy Spirit will tell you. It makes me think of that story in the Old Testament where God's getting ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and God, you know, he's speaking to himself. The, the spirit, the father, the son, they're, they're speaking inside of himself as God. And it's like, can we keep from our friend Abraham what we're about to do? You, you ever have a friend you feel like I can't keep, I can't tell anything to because he's going to give away all the secrets? The Holy Spirit is sort of that way. He can't keep a secret. He's going to, whatever God and the, whatever the Father and the Son are cooking up, the Spirit cannot keep that from you. He's got to share it. He's just, he's going to explode. If you're his friend, if you love him, he will share that. And it says that he searches all things, even the deep things of God. You have all these powerful angels created in heaven with all this knowledge. They can squish us like ants and they can, they can see us and they can see God and they can see spiritual and physical. And <clears throat> it just goes on and on the, the level of intelligence they have. And yet 
they can't see those deep things of God. They can't know things about God. God does things all the time that leave the angels just in awe. They, they don't understand. They don't understand what Christ did on the cross. They're in awe. But it says what? The Spirit searches the deep things inside of God. And he what? He reveals them to us. He reveals to us. See, the Holy Spirit knows the very thoughts of God. Man, we don't even know what you and I are thinking. We don't know man's thoughts. We can't we can't get inside our own brains. I know many times I have to stop my wife and go, wait a minute, what are you talking about? I can't see what you're thinking. Because she she'll start talking and she's been thinking about something, then she'll just start talking to me about it without backing up and telling me what what she was thinking about. She just jumps me into the conversation. I have to say, What are you talking about? What are you I can't read your mind? You know, we can't do that, but God knows his own thoughts. He he reads. The Spirit reads the thoughts of God. And he he gives that to us. It says it says that well, we haven't received the Spirit of the world, we received the Spirit of God. If you're a believer in Christ, if you're spirit filled, you have the Spirit of God who is from God, and He reveals things to us, so He wants us to understand. He wants us to understand what God has freely given us. He's freely given to us. And understand this. When you see a someone that's claiming to be a prophet, they're going to give a prophetic word, or some minister, or some evangelist, something, and they're like, I have a word for you. If you'll just give me $100, I'll give you this word. If you donate $1,000, I will specifically come down and prophesy over you that that's that's a sin that's wrong that's false because the spirit of god is freely giving he's not charging money reminds me in the book of acts simon the sorcerer saw the holy spirit was given and tried to pay peter you can't buy anything from god through human means the only thing we can purchase from God is to give him our heart. You know, figure that out. You know, uh, I'm, I'm going to purchase salvation. How do you purchase salvation? Give God your heart. You trust him. It's a free gift. You can't physically do anything to obtain it. It's a free gift. You have to trust him. And words from God, understanding and wisdom, the, the revealing of these mysteries we can't understand comes as a free gift from the Lord to us. And then how does it come? Verse 13. That is what we speak. Not in words taught us by human wisdom. But in words taught by the Spirit. In other words. When God reveals spiritual truth. It's not in a human word. It's not in something that can be explained. It's in spiritual Words. He says what? Expressing spiritual truths and spiritual words. One translation says comparing spiritual things with spiritual. In other words, it's his spirit talking to your spirit and is not something that's conveyed in words. It's this deep understanding. When you hear God speak, sometimes you can't even explain it to someone what it really means. That's why in Corinthians it says we know in part, we prophesy in part. Because when the Spirit reveals things to us, the minute we try to figure it out with our mind and put words to it, it's incomplete. Because we there's no 
line of thinking that can grasp what he's trying to tell us. That's why there's figurative language used in the Bible, because you're trying to explain a spiritual truth where there is no human words or physical words to compare what you need to define. And that's why it needs to be revealed by the Spirit. That's why God spoke in parables. Let me read this to you. I've written this down in my notes. I want to read it to you. It says, Within the kingdom there is one greatest of all kingdom principles, one greatest mystery, one greatest of all kingdom concepts. It saturates the entire kingdom and every other principle in the kingdom. It is a force that draws and holds the kingdom together. It's glue that bonds the kingdom into unity. It is the motivation for every work in the kingdom. It is the power that causes all other kingdom principles to work. It is the root of righteousness, obedience, peace, and joy. It is the reason for the cross, the resurrection, and Pentecost. There is a mystery that causes purity, purpose, production, prosperity, contentment, and faithfulness. It is the thing that causes men to become faithful servants. It is the thing that can change a harlot or an adulteress into a pure and holy bride. It is the very source, the wellspring from which grace, mercy, and forgiveness come from. See, this is the greatest mystery. What am I talking about? What is this great mystery? The greatest mystery of the kingdom is the love of God. It is the love of God. It is the greatest mystery. And when I say greatest mystery, I hope you're beginning to understand this. This is not a secret. God has revealed it, but it is still a mystery because why? We have a hard time understanding what that means. We all know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We can all quote it. We can say it really fast. But do you understand that God gave his son? The son of God became flesh and blood and dwelt among us. The son of God came to be a sacrificial lamb. The son of God came to die on a cross. The son of God came to be resurrected in power why did that happen because god loved us that's why it happened that's how it happened it was the it was the force of the love of god that produced the incarnation it produced the death and resurrection it what produced everlasting life for us. It is the love of God. Love is not a feeling. I say this a lot. I teach this a lot. I have many teachings on love is not a feeling. Love produces all kinds of feelings. But love doesn't just produce feelings. It produces life. It produces change. 
Matthew 22, 36 through 40. A scribe came to Jesus and said, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, many people have taught on this, and most of the things I've heard is really good and true. You can take all the law and the prophets to sum it up in these two. But when you look at it, try to understand in human words what's being said, you have to understand, nowhere in the Ten Commandments or in those 600 plus laws of Judaism is there a law that says, love the Lord your God by your heart. Now there is that in Deuteronomy, but it's not a law. It wasn't wasn't one of the, the laws that were quote-unquote given. So when this scribe who understood the Torah, he understood those things, asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He's wanting to know, what do I have to do? What's the requirement? And Jesus gives him the mystery. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love everyone else. See, we have to remember that God is love. There really aren't a lot of characteristics in the Bible where it says God is this, God is this, God is this. We see that God is just. We see God is faithful. We see God is love. You never see anywhere in the scripture where it says God is grace. God is never grace. Never do you say you say God is forgiveness. God is not forgiveness. God is mercy. God is not mercy. But God is love. And you see, it is love that produces grace. It is love that produces mercy. It is love that produces forgiveness. You see, love is one of the greatest mystery of the Lord. It is the power of I don't want to say it's the power of God, you know, it's power, it's force, it's, it's God himself. The omnipotent God is this. And so when he tells you to love him and to love others, don't you understand he's wanting you, he wants us to be one with him and he is love. He wants us to be in his love. He wants us to be love like he is love. I know we say, well, I can't be like him. Well, you can't, but with God's transforming power, he's not going to turn you into a God. But his love is transforming us. That's a come in figurative language and figurative symbolism. That's why we see so many scriptures where God will parallel his love with us as he does what a man and woman should have with each other. That's why even in the very beginning, God made a bride for Adam. He made a bride for man. Why? He's trying to convey something to you. And it's a spiritual truth that you cannot understand in human words. You can't do that. I know I was, I was communicating with someone the other day. And they've got, they've got, this, this man has a granddaughter that he really loves. I mean, he really loves his granddaughter. And I looked at him and I was like going, is there anything, you know, if you were down to your last dollar, 
and you were going to die. And, and, and that's all you had left. And she looked up at you and she said, I'm so thirsty. Would you buy me a drink? And the drink was a dollar. Would you get it for her? And he cried and said, I had a heartbeat. And I said, in that moment, you're feeling and experiencing the love of God. Because it was something that was so intense, it made you overcome yourself and your flesh and your selfishness. And you gave just because of the love. And that's not a perfect example, but in in that moment, in that instant when he said absolute, that 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 the momentary I would do it without even thinking. In that, yeah, you're not thinking. It's something from within your spirit that comes up. You see, if it was a sinful thing, you you wouldn't do it because it would be self-serving. I don't know something where there's absolutely nothing your flesh gets out of it. See, that's what we need to understand. When something like that wells up in us, it's coming from God. It's not coming from our flesh. It's coming from God. It's from God. And believe it or not, it's for God. Because that's what God wants us to be. See, love purifies us. The love of God can change us. When you look over in Ephesians chapter 5, and again, using the symbolism of a husband and wife, I want us to read this, like in verses 25 through 27. It says, husbands, Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, the church, that he might sanctify and cleanse it. Some of the church, he's going to sanctify and cleanse the church with the washing of water by the word. By the way, that water is not a, not a physical water. It's not about baptism. It's about spiritual the Holy Spirit welling up in you by the word, by the word of God, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having wrinkle or spot or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. We can't wash away sin in physical water, but there's a water, there's a cleansing of the Holy Spirit that purifies us. Verse, pick up in, in verse 29 and through 32, it says, For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. See, we're selfish. Just as the Lord does the church. See, when we're selfish to ourselves and we want to take care of ourselves, well, that's how God's taking care of us, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. See, when God takes care of us, it's as if we're taking care of ourselves. See, we're selfish when we take care of ourselves. God's got that same type of drive for you and I because he believes that you and I are his we're his body we're his flesh we're his bones for this reason continue for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh this is a great mystery but I speak concerning Christ and the church now we see this and of course we think two becoming one flesh and we go yeah it's man and woman and the consummation of the marriage and a sexual act and and, 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 and the production of a, of a baby, you know, the one flat. That's what we get out of it. But it's like, yeah, stop. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a mystery. It's about Christ and the church. There's something about God's loving us and wanting to become one with us. So First John chapter 4, 7 through 9 says, Beloved, let us love one another for love 
is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the world, the excuse me. In this, the love of God is manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Go down to verse twelve. 12 through 13. It says, If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love has been perfected in us. And we'll also get 16 and 19. Um, By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He's given us His Spirit, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and He who abides in love abides in God and God in Him. We love Him because he first loved us. I want us to look at those two things there. It says, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us. And then notice it says later, God is love and he abides in love, abides in God and God in him. Again, this is what? I, I'm abiding, I'm remaining, I am, I'm in him and he is in me. If we're in each other, we're becoming one. And as we do that, God cleanses us. You know, the love of God is a transformational power. There is no other power as great as the love of God. It's impossible for us to remain in God, to abide in God. It's impossible for us to remain in Him and be in that love and not be transformed. We changed. And not only that, it's impossible for us not to be a transforming agent in the world. God has designed us. He's designed mankind to remain in this mystery of his love. You know, we need to really meditate on this because the love of God is not a fuzzy thing. There's a thing right now going around. Christian circles. You hear some of these worship leaders that'll be doing a, a worship event. And they'll be like, oh, can you feel the love of God? It's the love of God. Can you feel the love of God? It's like a big concert. But they're not changed and no one leaves they're changed. I know people say they were changed, but they go back to the same old habits. That's not the love of God. You were just feeling the emotion of a concert. When the love of God hits you, you are transformed forever. You are forever changed. It is a force. I just be real honest right now. I'm just I'm just so compelled for us to understand that the love of God is like it's like a force that it it just it sweeps and changes. I get this image in my mind. Sometimes you might have been to a movie and you've seen some explosion, especially in space where they like to do the little ring explosion things. And I see something like that and it's like the, that's the love of God as it hits you. It's just, it's like this outer coat of sin and ugliness and dirt and this, it becomes like a crispy shell and just explodes off of you and there's something new and shiny underneath. That's what the love of God does. It just, it rips off the old sinful world and it transforms you into something else. The glory of God is displayed in you. When we look at it in the world today and, and man, 
You can't help but look at the world today and go, it is, it, things are getting bad. I'm a person that believes that Jesus Christ is coming back. I, I believe that we're not just going to exist and then just one day poop it be over. And I don't believe that the world's going to get better and better until we have utopia and then God comes down. I, I'm a I'm a biblical person. I believe in revelation. I believe in the the, the prophecies. I believe that times will get dark. We'll see the rise of the 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 devil to kill God's people. We'll see a rise of an antichrist. Um, I believe in these things. And, and we look in the world today. Things have been, you know, I believe this. And then we went through a time almost twenty years where things got really stagnant. I mean, I hear a lot of people talk about it, but to be honest, prophecies and world events seem to really cool off but here these last few years man this world's gone nuts things happening and 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 i see all this and school shootings and you know the i could just go on and on about the sin i don't want to but i want you to uh, to see the darkness in the world and i want you to understand what the world needs is the love of god what the world needs the 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 solution to all the world's problems is the love of God. And someday Jesus is coming back and you know that is God is love. Love is coming back for us in the planet. But I want you to, to understand that I myself, Jesus will transform the planet, not me, but we are transforming agents in whatever situation that faces us, it is the love of God that can overcome these things. First John 3, 8 says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus became flesh and blood to destroy the works of the devil, and he will consummate that. But right now, in this age where the Holy Spirit is being poured out on all flesh, we are his flesh and blood. Jesus is manifesting himself right now in the believers. You and I that believe in Jesus Christ, he's manifesting himself to the world in us. And that means that the work of the devil will be destroyed in and through us. And it will be because of his love, the power of his transformational love. Therefore, this is something that we need to remember, meditate on, ask God to transform us more, more and more, that we may walk and abide in the love of God. Listen, so, so many of us in the spiritual movement, we want to see the signs and wonders of God. We want to see the power of God. Listen, the power of God will be displayed when we're remaining in the love of God. And I'm not talking about a fuzzy feeling. I'm not talking about a love that when we just, you know, we see we, we see someone in some gross sin and we go, oh, God loves you. And then we leave them there. No, no, no. Remember, the power of God transforms. I, I It just really irks me when I hear someone say, Jesus hung out with, with sinners and drunkards and prostitutes. And, and I'm going, when Jesus hung out with sinners, when he hung out with prostitutes and drunkards, they weren't drunk anymore and they weren't prostitutes anymore. They became sober-minded. They left that sin. The prostitutes left that sins. They were transformed into pure brides because they came in power and in contact with his love. It transformed him. No, we shouldn't run from people. But if you find yourself going to the bar and getting drunk, 
you're not displaying the love of God. You're displaying the love of the devil. And you've taken up that and you believe that tolerance and that love means acceptance. No, sin destroys. The love of God destroys sin. The love of God destroys sin and it frees people and it changes them. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your greatest mystery, your love, which is so deep, so beyond our understanding, God. Lord, I pray that you would, through your spirit, bring wisdom and revelation. That, God, that you would begin to help us to fathom in our spirits the height and depth and breadth of the love of God. That, Father, we would learn to walk and remain in your love, God, that, Lord, that that force, that power that transforms us, God, that would begin to ebb out of our heart and be a changing agent to the dark world around us, God. Father, I pray that people would see family members transformed by your love. They'd see strangers in the stores transformed by your love. That, God, in this world as it grows dark, may your people grow brighter, purer, more holy and powerful because of your love. Lord, I thank you that you are teaching us and revealing your love to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the series Chronicles of the Kingdom. This was Lesson 23, The Greatest Mystery. We have 22 other lessons that you can go back and listen to. You can find those at our website, christianimpact.net or christianimpactministries.net. We are on a wide series of podcasts and many different types of streamers. You can find us on many like Amazon and Spotify. But however you listen to free, please feel free to drop us a line. Let us know you're out there. You can also find us on Facebook, Christian Impact Ministries. And until next time, God bless. <laughs>